0: Thank you very much, Sarah. Um, It's been a really good relationship between us and uh, the Pregnancy Help Center, and uh, I have enjoyed it. Um, There was a director there when we launched our church, and Sarah came on board, and I began to just exchange emails with her just a little bit as we were doing the baby bottle blessing stuff and then trying to find out what it is that uh, their needs are and what's going on and uh, what kind of resources we could potentially do there. So we are very glad that she's here with us today. And you might say, but why is she here? Well, Sarah's here because we have a mission on behalf of the kingdom of God to see people saved, um, to see people come back to God, to see people come to God, and and, uh, that certainly means broken, hurting people. God is close to people who have made bad choices, and we've all made bad choices. We have all sinned, and so we have no rock to throw. What we have is an invitation to give to people who have struggled with a choice that has has led them somewhere that allows us to say, hey, you know what? God loves you, and he certainly has forgiveness for you, and so we're, we're excited about that. As God changes people's lives, he invites them to come together and to live in In community, there is a place for us to come and say, hey, what's going on in your life? How are things going? Um, How can we be here for you? How can we help you? And we don't always believe that. I want to take you to the sixth chapter of the book of Galatians. Um, it's a scripture that for whatever reason has popped up and popped up and popped up in my own personal life over and over and over again for the last little bit. It's like somebody will be sharing it, somebody will be reading it, somebody will be studying it. It's just, it's amazing to me. It's like this keeps coming up. And so as I was anticipating following Sarah today, I began to to, to ask the Lord and say, hey, what is it that we're going to glean out of this? And so I, I want to share this. i believe wholeheartedly that the church does at times. I, I don't like throwing rocks at the church any more than I do anybody else, but doesn't do a good job um, at times of saying what they're for. They're more interested in telling everybody what they're against, and, and that's not where we want to be. We want to be at the place where we're for love, yet yeah, we're for truth, we're for honesty, we're for taking a, a, a firm stand and not backing down, but we don't have to beat anybody up over it. We can say this is sin, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's the reason that Jesus came. And, and Paul tells us to do that. As we come together in community, we come together as a family. And the one thing that I've learned about family is, my little brother, I have a little brother, and by little I mean two years younger, so he's way old now. Um, because um, I'm way older. And it's just one of those things where we could knock heads, just beat on each other, fight and, until we hated each other, and guess what? 50 years later, I'm still his brother. I still see him at the family function. I don't leave. I don't check out. I don't dump him. It's not over between us. And that's what Paul's talking about in Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians chapter 6, beginning at verse 1 and just reading through verse 10, it says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions, and then he can take uh, pride in himself without comparing him to somebody else. For each should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the Word must share all good things with his instructor. But don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows, and the one who sows to please a sinful nature from the na- that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows ple- to please the spirit from the spirit capital S, will re- uh, reap excuse me eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And in one version, when I learned that scripture, way back in the day when I was um, young, it said, to do good to everybody, especially Primary observance to those of the household of faith, to those people gathered together, calling themselves the congregation or the church. We are called to be a family, and that's what we're looking at. Paul is actually laying out how do we connect with one another. Because we live in a world where even, and I hate to say this, but inside the church, sin is becoming okay. I hear more people saying that uh, God says that all sins are the same. And and, and just, I need you to look at me for just a second. I need you to know that that is unequivocally a lie straight from the pit of hell. All sin is not the same. What that tells me is the person that's usually sitting in my office saying, well, all sin is the same, doesn't read their Bible. Because if you read the book of Leviticus, if you read the book of Deuteronomy, if you read the law of Moses, you would know that some sin, God says, I want you to take this person out and I want you to stone them. I want you to take this person out and I want you to make them pay four times what they stole. I want you to take this person out and make them stay outside the camp. I want you to take... And over and over and over again, God says, this sin gets dealt with this way. This sin gets dealt with this way. This sin gets dealt with this way. And it all gets dealt with differently. Now, I I do understand what people are trying to say. What they're trying to say is the same thing that Sarah said. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. But it goes on to say, and the wages of sin, any sin is death. So we recognize that all sin is not the same, but the end of all sin is exactly the same. And so God is saying, while you guys are living together, I want you to live in relationship with one another. The one thing that I learned a long time ago that I do not have permission to do, I do not have permission whatsoever to redefine sin. I don't get to do that. So when people come and say, well, all sin is the same or my sin's no worse than, listen to me, when I look at the sin in my life and I compare it to gossiping, I'm not saying my sin isn't bad. I'm saying my sin is bad and that sin is as bad as my sin. I need to be in a position to not be throwing rocks at people who are sinners, but I need to be willing to extend a hand and show them a way of love that is different than what they've learned growing up. But we don't always do that. A lot of times we throw rocks. We live in a world where inside the Christian church, living together in an unmarried state is okay. It's no different. God doesn't see it as any different. God sees all sin the same. We live in a world where, in the church, gossip is okay. We live in a world where greed is okay. I literally had a Christian man, a man that says he's a Christian, sit in my presence and look at me and say, we know that all wealth and prosperity comes from God. Therefore, anybody who's wealthy and anybody who's prosperous has the favor of God resting upon them, and they are God's person. I said, what about Bill Gates, who's not a Christian? He's not a believer. Well, the favor of God is on him. I'm not sure I buy that. But that is the mindset inside the church in America today. That gender dysphoria is okay. That abortion is okay. That lying is okay. That cheating is okay. All of these things did not suddenly become okay when Jesus died on the cross. They became paid for. They became, the penalty for it was, was that, that we were separated from God, and now we're not separated from God, but He didn't free us to go back to our sin. He freed us to recognize that in the Garden of Eden, sin broke our humanity. Sin broke us physically. There's disease, there's weeds, there's sweat, there's pain, there's childbirth, there's trying to eke out a living. There's all of this sin Well, it only goes to understand that there's also brokenness in our psyche as well. But the most difficult part of our brokenness is the idea to not be broken. We don't want to be broken. I don't want you to say I'm broken. I don't want you to say that. But the truth of the matter is we're all broken. We're all broken in some manner, in some way. As a child, my brokenness was filthy. Where I was raised was filthy. And God tells us when we come back together, we have got to start being a church, not a church that throws rocks. We have no invitation to throw rocks at people. But we've got to have a clear message of hope and forgiveness for people. And the churches aren't being clear. There are churches out there that will not call sin, sin. They won't even use the word sin. There are churches out there that will not use the word hell. And I've got an assistant pastor that's like, hey, can I uh, get the college students together and can we wrestle with hell? I said, yeah, why don't you call it What in Hell Do You Want? And he's like, what? And I said, well, it's the vineyard. You know, what is it that's in hell that you keep you know, working hard to get there? Why? Why? Because it's an eternity. It's not a vacation. And so anyway, he didn't take my thing and he calls wrestling with hell. And I think he blew it. But anyway, that's okay. He gets to do it. Because we're in a world where people will redefine hell so that nobody goes or it's not a real place. And that makes me sad. How can you want somebody to go there? How can you not care about, uh, enough about somebody you're standing next to that that's an okay thing? And it's because people will not live clearly for the Lord. I'm not saying you've got to be standing on a street corner and preaching on a soapbox and wagging your finger at somebody. I'm saying you've got to love people enough to invite them. I, shared, I got the, the blessing of sharing with the FCA this past week. And uh, the message the Lord laid on my heart was just the idea of um, sharing your testimony. You ever shared your testimony? You ever just stopped with somebody and said, hey, I want to share my testimony with you. Have you ever just had somebody ask you why you do what you do and and it's because of Jesus and you're like, I want to tell them about Jesus. But inside of you, it's like, I'm not going to tell them about Jesus. Oh man, they're going to think I'm like a weirdo. Let me ask you a question real quick. When you get to to meet Jesus face to face, what are you going to tell him is your legit reason for not sharing your testimony? Why? Why? Why why don't you want to tell somebody what Jesus is doing? Now, I'm not talking about, let me tell you, I was born October 4th, 1960. It was a cold morning. Okay, I'm not talking about like a three-week testimony, okay? Like, hey, stay here. We'll have food brought in. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like I was at my favorite coffee shop. And let me just go on record as saying I do not own Purdy's. I do not own stock in Purdy's. I do not own part of Purdy's, but Purdy's owns my heart okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. I love Purdy's Coffee Shop, and so yes, I like to go to the coffee shop, uh, and I like to hang out, and that's where I get to see some of you, and it's where I get to meet the city, and it's where I get to just be, and it feels like a safe place, and it's great, okay? But I was there one time, and one of the baristas behind the corner just while she was making my latte just said, hey, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, I I live a pretty transparent life. You can see it all. My wife says knock it off, but I do it anyway, Um, and, and, and it's there, and she says, did you always want to be a pastor? And I said, absolutely not. Nobody wants to be a pastor that I'm aware of. Maybe a couple of guys that are spiritually sick and, you know, they, you know, they get to, you know, anesthetize themselves that way. But the truth of the matter is, I, I was happy. I, I, I met Jesus when I was 17 and I was going to church and I was teaching adult Sunday school class and I was growing in my relationship to Jesus. But I did not want to be a pastor, work every weekend. That's, that's just raw. No. No. I was just like all the other Christians in the world. I wanted to get a ski boat. I was skiing once a week at Clarence J. Brown Reservoir up in Springfield, Ohio. Um, I was driving there, and I was riding with the group that was bringing it. wasn't my boat. Don't own a boat. Own a friend that has a boat, okay? Okay, that's your work, word for the day. But we would come down to Somerset. That was my only connection to Kentucky. And I wanted to get a ski ray. I had my eye on a ski ray. I was going to get a GMC pickup truck. I was going to continue to do construction work. And I was just going to make some money. And I was going to be a happy little Christian guy leading his family in Jesus. I wanted to be like you. I wanted to skip church on the weekend once in a while. Come on, let's be honest. But that's not what we've been called to. Man, we've been called to bring the kingdom of God, to tell the truth, to encourage people, to inspire people. And I never want to be a part of a church whose job it is to throw rocks at people. I'm not here to throw rocks. I'm telling you right now, you might call me pastor, but you would be better off to call me one beggar who's showing all the other beggars where the free bread is. That's all I'm doing, is showing you that there is forgiveness For the sins that I thought separated me from God. I thought God wanted me to go to hell. I did. And now I want to be clear. We are here to love people. But we can't change things. I can tell you what this book says. But I have no permission to change what it says. But there is hope and encouragement. So we have to live clearly. And we have to live with a clear heart. And let me just share these things with you. We clearly are called to watch over each other, but we don't like that, do we? One of your friends comes up and says, Hey, dude, that's not real Christian. What's the first thing we do? Well, who are you to judge me? Let me just read it for you one time. All right? Brothers, if somebody is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him. Wow. The Scripture says right there, if you see your brother or sister sinning in a manner that is not conducive to Christianity, you're actually supposed to go and say, hey, Bill, you know, I don't know what you're going through. Are you okay? Because I see you acting out of the character. You're not supposed to come over and say, you're stupid, stupid, stupid. You're not supposed to do that but we are called to go to one another. But when somebody comes to us and says, hey, listen, we can't be doing that. The first thing we do is cross our arms like this, and the next thing that comes out of our mouth is, and and who are you to judge? We're not supposed to judge. Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. Jesus also said, just for the record, make a right judgment and stop making wrong judgments. Now what are you going to do? On this hand I got, don't judge. On this hand I got, judge it came from the same guy maybe i need to study my bible instead of look for a first a verse that lets me sin right come on i've been there i have been where you are it's okay there's lots of forgiveness between now and calvary so i can just go ahead and do this anyway it's all right where's the transformation in my heart we are called to watch over each other but here's the deal not because we want to catch each other sinning but because we want to propel each other in growth. I want to see you grow. I want to see your relationship challenge mine. And mine is not so high that you can't do that. I'm just a human being, just like you. And I struggle. But my feet are pointed toward that cross because of what Jesus did for me. And I know that there's forgiveness. not. I have to beg God for forgiveness. The scripture says if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just, not if I beg him for forgiveness. I don't have to beg for anything. I am righteous in God, in Jesus Christ right now. And the righteousness doesn't go away when I sin. So I need to reflect on it. Clearly, you and I are called to watch over top of each other. Number two, clearly we're called to make a judgment about sin in people's lives. We are. But listen to me, that's not, pers- that's not permission for you to be the guy who thinks he's got the corner on sin. If you don't know that you sin, then don't go walking up to anybody else who's struggling with sin. Don't do it. Walk carefully. Take the plank out of your eye, someone once said, so that you can see clearly. See what he said? He didn't say ignore it. He said take it out so you can do it. And then go see them and sit down them, and then you'll be able to help them. Confess your sins to one another and then pray for each other, not confess your sins to one another and then kick each other in the shin and tell everybody else in the church because you've got the gossip. No. Confess your sins to one another and then pray for each other. Number three, clearly we're called by God into different lives. You and I are supposed to be different in the world. We don't have to be Amish, okay, not like different like that, but we are supposed to be different. We aren't supposed to be greedy. We aren't supposed to be idolatrous. We aren't supposed to be overly sexually, overtly sexual or overly sexual. We're supposed to be healthily sexual. But the idea is people should look at us and say, why are you different? Why is it that when you're at work, you're not gossiping like everybody else? Why is it that when we get together with our friends, you're the one who's defending everybody else? Why is it when it's party night, you're not the one partying? You might be there, but you're not getting drunk like the rest of us. Come on, man. It's Friday. It's date day. No. Why isn't it okay for us to say no to this world? To live for Jesus. Why isn't I'm not saying you got to go hang out with your friends that are smoking, snorting, drinking, and then say to them, let me all tell you about Jesus right now at this here party. Choose not to go to the party. It, just for the record, Jesus went to the party. It's biblical. But Jesus didn't sin. That's also biblical. He chose to be the example because he was called to live differently clearly from this passage in in Galatians chapter 6, we are called to carry our part of the work of the church. Did you know you have a part? You're gifted. You're good at something. Sarah got up here, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm a pastor, okay? I didn't say this in the first service, but she got up here, and I thought, oh, this, I know how this is going to go. Give somebody a microphone, and woo, they hear their voice, and they're like, whoa, is that me? Can you hear me out there? This is great. Hey, and then they just go on and on and on. Some of you are like, Pastor Joe, you're talking about yourself again. Okay, I understand. I understand, but I get to be up here. She did an amazing job. I thought, as somebody who trains speakers, and and I do that. You've seen them get up on the stage and speak. She did an amazing job. And I was proud of her. I am glad that she was here this morning to share with you our relationship as a community of faith with the Pregnancy Help Center. Because we're called to do this work together. Some of you... Are public speakers some of you are preachers and i'm not talking to you guys i'm talking to you guys and girls and i'll be happy to show it to you in the scripture in joel chapter 2 and acts chapter 2 in uh um boy i got a whole list of them that i'm not going to go through today it's a whole other sermon but we're called to carry our part of the work of the church as individuals so that we can do the work corporately does that make sense to you so what do we do we carry the work financially I'm sorry that that's a thing that has to come up in churches and say, oh, no, he's talking about my money. Yeah, because God started there. God did, not me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Matthew 23, 23 says keep tithing and live generously. That's what we're trying to do. And I, want to, I just want you to know, Vineyard, that you're hitting that mark. When people ask me about the health of this church, we're coming up on 13 years old, we're debt free, there's over a quarter of a million dollars in the bank, and we're trying to invest it in people's lives. Yeah, we're hitting that mark. Let's keep hitting that mark. Let's all be a part of hitting that mark. Because I believe that God is getting ready to do something really big. So we're all called to share our part of the financial work, our part of the ministry work. Decide who it is you want to share your testimony with and let that testimony be. You know what I heard in church the other day? Somebody talked about Jesus for a second and your testimony is only two minutes long. But it includes an invitation to come to church. Or it includes an invitation to come to small group. Or it includes an invitation to come to FCEA. Or it includes an invitation to come to crew. Or it includes an invitation to come to CO. Because that's what we're about. Clearly we're called to carry our part of the testimony work. And finally... Clearly, we're called to carry our part of the compassionate work. We're getting ready to go over across the hall and and launch compassionate work. I love it. I love it when the Lord said, Joe, straighten up and act right. Now get that food pantry open. Somebody else stood up and said, hey, I don't know why, but the Lord's been telling me to start a food pantry. And it's like, not only does God want us to do it, but he's going to send people that have a heart for it. I have a heart for it but let's just be honest. The pastor's not supposed to be in charge of everything and he's not supposed to do everything. And so I'm excited to see people's ministries begin to unfold, especially compassionate work. You are called to be involved, to serve, to live, to give, to love, to reach out, but not to throw rocks. And here's the last one and I'm done. Clearly, we need to live clearly in a manner that shows that we're going to persevere and not give up. And we can't stop loving this community. We can't stop loving hurting broken people. We can't stop loving people that make us uncomfortable. We can't stop inviting them into our homes. We can't stop asking them if we can help them. We can't stop praying for them. We can't stop asking them to love us and to pray for us. Because we're all in this thing together. And it's Jesus that makes the difference. We have to not give up. But we live in a world of people that are giving up. You know, across the nation, more than 50% of the people are not going back to church after all the lockdowns that have been going on. And it's time to push back hard. That's just my opinion. It's time to come back. It's time to say, you know what? Jesus does matter. Not Jesus matters and I can stay in my closet and live it out by myself. That's not Jesus. I'm just going to tell you straight up. That's not Jesus. He's called us to be a community. And we need to not give up. For us today, there are people in our community that we want to partner with, and the PHC is one of them. We're going to continue to build that one. The next one is the one we're building across the hall at the the food pantry, the Hope Food Pantry. I'm excited about that. It's going to be amazing. The vision is that this mall becomes a center for 501c3s. And you know what? I thought it was because the Lord was going to give it to us and not to us as a vineyard. We're we're not to be in charge of it. A different board is supposed to be there. We get to instigate it. But the Lord, I've been waiting for the mall owners to come and say, hey, we want you to have this mall. And I'm going to say, okay, I knew the Lord told me. But the Lord told me last fall, you don't have to own this thing to fill it up with 501c3s. You just invite them to come and rent some space here where it's a little bit cheaper and we can work together to help each other succeed. I'm excited about that. If you're interested in the food pantry, by the way, after this service, they're going to be across the hall. Just follow the people um, and you can find out what's going on. But the truth of the matter is, even if you're out there in video land, that you're, you're welcome to be a part of it as it gets up and gets going, you just contact Brianna and you can talk to her and she'll tell you what you can do. She's running it. That's the way it works. For you and I today, we can still give, we can still serve, we can still love, and we can still pray that God brings all of this into path. Right here in central Kentucky, right where it is you're going, that you're going to take it, wherever that might be. And I want to encourage you in that. I believe that God wants to make a difference in your life. Listen, we talked about some pretty tough stuff today. And I know there might be some things going on inside of your life that you're like, wow, that was heavy in church. You know what? We ought to come to church and meet God. And when we meet God, whoo, heavy things should happen. But amazing things should, we should feel so much freer. And I, if it's something Sarah said, then great. If it's something the Lord's working on you, great. If it's something you're getting ready to face this next week, great. But here's the deal. We come to church to get what we can from God, and part of it is to get prayed for. A young man was in church in the first service, and his mom said, he's got a bump, he's got a bump, he's got a bump. And I said, you know what? He needs prayer. She said, you bet. Yeah. We're called to pray for each other because it moves the heart of God whether it's an addiction freedom, whether it's something that traumatic that happened in your past, something that Sarah talked about, something that you just feel like, God, I need you to move in this. I need you to, I need you to touch my life. We want to pray for you today. So I want to invite you to your feet. We're going to um, sing this song. And then while we're singing this song, these people would love to pray for you if there's something going on that you just need prayer for today. All right.